0: As we've been discussing, it's Gumboot Friday. Mike King says that research tells us the number one support that can be offered to help an at-risk young person is to give them face-to-face counselling. His charity, Key to Life, which pays for free counselling for youth, aims to raise $5 million through Gumboot Friday to meet a demand they simply can't keep up with. We've heard this morning from numerous family members who are struggling to help their children with their illness, neuroscience educator and director of X-Factor Education, Nathan wallace Joins me now. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Kerry. How are you?
0: Good. Th- well, I'm good. But there's so many families living with kids who aren't like people. Mm. People telling me that children are attempting suicide at the age of eleven, twelve. Yep. Yeah. Is there a difference between the generations? I just don't recall feeling anxious as a child or that level of. Yeah, uncertainty. What's happened to our kids? Yeah,
1: there has always been a small percentage of children that were like that. You know, when we were kids, but it was so small you didn't hear about it. It's just really that percentage is growing now. Children seem to be much less resilient, but we create a much less resilient childhood for them. You know, we um, when we were kids. I mean, when I was a kid, I had met home parent for my whole life. Yeah, might have worked, done a bit of part-time work at high school, but pretty much had an at-home parent. Um, neither of my grandmothers worked because in that generation, grandmothers didn't generally work. So they were, you know, had two women that were devoted to being your grandparent to look after you. All of that made our children quite resilient. So that's all gone now. You don't three quarters of people don't live in the same community as their grandparents. If they do, their grandmother's probably at work. Um, you know, both your parents are at work. So we've just got a much less resilient generation of children. Yeah, they're in crisis really.
0: They are screaming for help.
1: They are and it's just depressing. I've had the experience of taking someone who was suicidal to the doctor recently and I didn't realise how bad the problem was. But I take someone to the doctor who says they're going to kill themselves that day and they got an appointment with a psychiatrist in eight months time. I know. Um, and it was going to cost them hundreds of dollars too. Yeah, and That was just effectively no help. Here. I suppose that's why in my job I focus on parent education because I think oh it's going to be forever before you get counselling. We need to empower parents to let them know what can they do. I mean, they're not trained counsellors, but they can do a whole lot to mitigate those risks and create an environment where the child's more likely to flourish. Okay, describe that. What does that look like? A lot of that, I teach little tricks. Like, one of the tricks I do is a thing called Mate Date. People can just go onto YouTube and look up Nathan Wallace Mate Date. It's a 10-minute clip that tells you what to do. But that's a little communication technique, which... Sort of flips your relationship and puts the child into the parent position with all the power. It's just 10 minutes a week.
0: Yeah.
1: But in that in that 10 minutes a week, we create a completely different environment than the child normally um, experiences, and it just really enhances communication. The kid gets to say everything that they want to say. Usually, our kids are quite inhibited because they have to be polite. They can't be disrespectful. You know, there's all these rules about how they're supposed to communicate, and the mate date flips that around so they can say whatever they want. Because one of the things that always stood out to me was that in in terms of mental health, almost like 90% of it is actually just getting it outside of their head, getting them to talk about it. You don't have to solve it. I think parents focus on going straight into problem solving and how we fix the problem. But actually a lot of it is just them getting it outside of their head and saying it out loud. Um, That relieves a whole lot of the pressure. It's what the literature calls a coherent life story. It's one of the major factors in mental health. And by having to say things out loud you have to sort of put them into coherent order. Whereas when it's all just swimming around in the teenager's head, it's all contradictory, um, it just makes no sense, and that's sort of a, yeah. a perfect breeding ground for mental illness. So just getting it out of the head and saying it out loud is a huge protective factor.
0: That's one of the things I really struggle with with my friends and family. When they express to me you know, that they're disappointed or sad or upset about something, I immediately try and fix it. which yeah. And it makes me really stressed if I have to sit yep. there and listen and not do anything. And, yeah. I, and I've learnt that the best thing I have to do is just shut up and let them talk.
1: Yep, yep. It's Validation is the real key. Yeah. So what you want to do, I mean, it's normal. I think all of us, especially as parents, go straight into problem solving, trying to fix our problems. We love our kids. We want to fix it. But actually, that can just sound like you're not listening and you're nagging them. So the key word is validation, which is about reflecting back their emotion. So when the kid says, you know, oh, these kids are all picking on me at school. And, you know, Julie said I was fat. Instead of going into problem solving mode, so trying to enlist with Julie, and try talking to Julie's mother, mm. just reflecting back the emotion. Oh, that must have made you feel really horrible. And, and that seems really simple, but that just makes the kid go, oh, you're listening to me. Because, you know, 90% of a child's worldview is emotional. Only 10% is logical. Like, we as adults are like the other way around. We're 90% logic, 10% emotion. So if they're 90% emotion and we just come back with logic, we've just ignored 90% of their worldview. So they feel like they're not listened to. They feel alone and isolated. So something as simple as going, wow, that must have made you really sad, can make a world of difference because the kid feels listened to, they feel connected, And then if you do give any advice after that, they're far more able to listen to you because now you've listened to them. You know, children do as you do, not as you say. So it's like if you want them to listen to your logic, you've got to listen to their emotion. In fact, I tell parents to do do a two-to-one ratio. (laughs) For every one minute, you want them to listen to your logical problem-solving strategy. You should have done two minutes of reflecting back their emotions to them. Oh, that must have made you feel sad. Oh, that must have been frustrating.
0: God, Mm. yeah, I'm really going to have to work on that. (laughs) <laughs> it
1: takes practice, Kerry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah. what when it comes to resilience, resilience yeah. is more important really isn't yeah. it than almost any other um, attitude we yeah. can give our kids? How do we is, build more resilience?
1: Yeah because what's the point of having a PhD if you're chronically depressed and can't leave the house? Yeah, so I think it is it is all about resilience.
0: So how do we um, build that?
1: Well, the things in the literature, I mean, it's a bit depressing because like Mike says, I mean, the number one thing for mental health is to go and see a face-to-face counsellor. Yeah. So that's slightly different. The number one factor in building resilience is, unfortunately, it's having a parent at home with you in the first year of life. Um, it's just the way that the brain operates and that provides the perfect conditions for you to have a brain that is least likely to have anxiety and depression. But there's other things we do. Um, speaking more than one language. Um, as soon as you introduce a second language to the brain, that really reinforces the brain It enhances this thing called the executive network, so it, it just, which means that it makes your brain better right across the board at everything. So learning another language is definitely something that helps our children be more resilient. Wow. Yeah, even learning a musical instrument helps with the brain. It makes for a more resilient brain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's relationships with people outside the home, too, is another big factor. Now that could be a special teacher at school. It could be a grandparent, a godparent, but it's someone that you have a high-quality relationship with that is not immediately in a direct parenting role. You know how you can sort of talk to your grandparents about things that you don't talk to your parents about because your parents just jump in and correct you and tell you not to do that and give you the rules. And the grandparents are more likely just to go, "Oh, that's awful, darling." Yeah. You know, it's having that non-parental person but still close outside of the home, any relationships like that help a child to be more resilient. So if I've got a child and I know he's, say, got depression at 15, but I know he's got a particularly close relationship with his uncle when he talks to his uncle, yeah. rather, than, rather than leaving it that he sees his uncle once every six months, I get an undoctored a it and make sure that he sees his uncle every fortnight. Yeah. So you, you take those factors that are helping to build resilience and just try and maximise those.
0: Oh, fantastic advice. You're always mm. brilliant to talk to. It's just so not sad, cheating. though. It's just so sad, though, when you sad. think about it. It is sad. To think of those poor kids just struggling, and, well, anybody, really. It's not even the children. Yeah. It's anybody who, who just feels desperate.
1: That's right. It's sort of like Mike puts across, that um, we could have done, you know, three sessions of counselling and avoided a whole lifetime of mental illness for this kid, but we don't. They can't access the help. It snowballs. Or it gets worse. They get involved in youth justice, and it just snowballs out of control. And it could have been so easily... Prevented if we'd just done an intervention, a few sessions of counselling, you know, could have saved the whole thing.
0: Great to chat. Nathan Wallace, neuroscience educator, director of X Factor Education, an absolute veritable well of common sense and and great advice. News Talk said, B, it is 16 to 11.